Welcome back to Aspire to Lead. I'm overjoyed with the opportunity to have podcast royalty with me. I have Jethro Jones, who's a national award-winning former school principal, podcaster, and author of books, How to Be a Transformative Principal, and School X, How Principals Can Design a Transformative School Experience for the People Right in Front of Them. Jethro has been in the podcast field for over 11 years, and he's now the founder of B Podcast Network. He also has multiple podcasts. We're going to talk about a brand new one that he just started here. And I'm just so excited about just the transparency that Jethro has provided in this interview, talking about his own experiences, his failures, and things that he's done in his own life to make sure that he's the best version of himself every single day going to the schools and working in the district. Before we jump into the conversation, I wanted to thank those who jumped in, gave a five-star review, and provided some very kind remarks about the show. A couple of weeks ago, I had looked and saw that I was at 49 reviews on Apple Podcasts and gave a little call to action for those who were listening to, to jump in and do that. So please keep the ball rolling. I'd love to get more ratings and reviews in the podcast player. So wherever you're listening, if it's through YouTube or Amazon, Apple, Spotify, and so many other applications. First off, thank you for listening. But also, if you wouldn't mind supporting the show, real quick, jump in and and give a favorable rating and review. That would be absolutely amazing. For those states that are consistently listening, Texas, Illinois, Tennessee, New York this past month, thank you for sharing that out to your colleagues, your family, your friends. Appreciate that. And then Going outside the United States, looking Norway, Denmark, Poland, and Thailand, all in the top 200 for educational podcasts. So I appreciate you all. Let's keep the momentum going in 2024. And with that, I have this phenomenal guest, Jethro Jones, as we're going to talk about challenges and triumphs of his career path, but then also just ways that unfortunately folks have dealt with stress in an unhealthy way. And he's going to talk about how He has used a sedation method that was terrible for his mental and physical health and how he's reflected and changed some habits in his personal growth to make sure that he's finding healthier ways to work through stressful and challenging situations. Welcome back everyone to Aspire to Lead, where we will be discussing the visions, inspirations, and experiences from top educational leaders. My name is Joshua Stamper, and you can connect with me on Twitter or on Instagram at Joshua double underscore Stamper. All right, Aspire Leaders and Teach Better Family, thank you so much for joining us this week. I have the honor and pleasure of having a podcast staple on the screen right now and someone that I've looked up to for quite some time. The podcast has been in its creation five years ago, but you know when I was looking at educational podcasts, there were two people that I was looking for. Jethro Jones has got a phenomenal podcast. Actually, he's got several. He's got a billion books out there. He's everywhere as far as a podcast network. He's speaking. He's doing all kinds of different things as far as working with leaders and educators. And man, I am just so thrilled to have you on the show. It's someone you've been someone that I've wanted to have on the show. And we've we've had a chance lately just to be connected in different ways. The latest one was an event with Organized Binder. And it's so good to, to meet you in that space. All that being said, Jethro, thank you so much for being on Aspire to Lead. Hey, man, it's my pleasure. I'm thankful for the opportunity. And any chance I get to talk to leaders and help inspire people is, oh, it's like a dream come true. So thank you for the opportunity. <laughs> well, I know you mean that a lot because I've seen your work before. But uh, for those who, for some reason, 
don't know who you are, I'd love for you just to share a little bit about your background as far as your leadership and educational journey. Yeah, sure. So I started out as an English teacher. And in fact, I didn't even go to college to be a teacher. I felt the call from the time I was a teenager and then resisted it because I thought teachers would never make good money. And then when I was on a mission for my church in Russia, I met somebody who was a superintendent of schools for like 20 years. And he was such a good human being and was able to live his life how he wanted. I was like, I should go into educational administration. And so I became a teacher as a means to an end to be able to become a principal. So that has been my dream and my my desire from the very beginning. And it, it really scratched an itch that I know that I just I, I needed personally in my life. And the reason why I'm telling the story this way is because I think that it really matters. We all have strengths and abilities and gifts that we've been given, and we need to lean into those and do those things that help bring those things out. And don't worry and beat yourself up about all the stuff that you're not good at. Like, it doesn't matter. Just focus on the things that you are good at and spend your time there making the impact. So I became a teacher. Uh, alternative routes to licensure, didn't have a teaching degree. I got hired for my first job two weeks before school started. And I missed the first day of training because I had to resign from my other job that I had at the time. And so my principal literally said, here's your classroom, go to it. And there are your books over there. And, and that was how I got introduced to teaching. And powerful thing was that I learned a ton by doing that. But also, there was a lot that I didn't know. So I didn't know how to engage kids or have classroom management. And so I had to figure those things out on my own. And that started me out with being nerdy about technology early on and getting my kids blogging in the early 2000s, which was really awesome and a great experience. And then I became a district level person, worked at a technology department, and then the curriculum, and then became a Title I assistant principal, then moved to Alaska where I was principal of a middle school prison school and a homeschool program and had amazing experiences up there. Along the way, though, I started my podcast, Transformative Principle, which I started in 2013, over 11 years ago, which is crazy to think about. It's just wild. So there's over 700 published episodes on that show, and it's just been incredible. I still do it every week, even now, even though I'm not a principal anymore. I do full-time consulting and speaking and helping other people make podcasts and all kinds of stuff. So there's there's a lot going on for sure. But like I said, you got to find what you're good at. And that is, that's where I'm at. I'm good at a lot of different things. And so I do the things that are interesting to me. And I feel so free and love being able to do it and feel so blessed that I get to do it. Jethro, I love that story that you kind of had this mindset of wanting to be a leader before even getting into the profession. And uh, I think that's a very unique situation and story, although I do feel like there are people out there that are connecting to that as they're listening. And so for our aspiring leaders, what were some things that you put in place to get yourself into that leadership role and then eventually into administration and what you eventually wanted to become, which is a principal? Yeah, for me, it was really important to be asking for feedback and advice. In fact, one of the reasons why we moved to Alaska is because my district that I was in where I was assistant principal, I asked for some feedback and the uh, the person that I asked that I could trust, he said, well, Jethro, 
uh, everybody thinks you're arrogant, that you have all the answers and that you know what you're doing. And uh, so basically you're never going to get a job here is, wow. is what he said. And let me just tell you that hurt. I was tough. Um, I had a previous boss who was my uh, in a different department in that same district who said, you know, if you leave this job, that doesn't mean you're going to get a principal job. And, and so you better stay here because you should be doing this job, not trying to go get a principal job. Hmm. And so like, we don't talk about this kind of stuff in education, but difficult things happen and yeah. people conspire against you and uh, talk bad behind your back and things like that. And so getting feedback from people you trust and knowing where you really stand is important because I don't care what anybody says. It, it really is not about what you know. It's about who you know and your relationships with people. And so you could be the most qualified person, but if nobody trusts you, you ain't getting that job, period. Yeah. So you've got to find ways to make sure you know where you stand and then be aware of it and be okay with whatever that is. And if you're not okay with it, then do things to make it so that you can change so that you can find success. Mm-hmm. Jethro, I, I love that story just because a lot of people are afraid of feedback because they don't want to hear sometimes the perception or the truth that's going on behind the scenes. And I can think of several occasions where I had to sit there and take some really crucial and critical feedback from people at the district level and essentially saying that I needed to go to another district if I was going to get a principal job. So was that scary for you to think about, like, I got to go to a district I don't know people I have to build relationships with maybe yeah. move to Alaska of all places. Yeah. I mean, what was going through your mind and what eventually got you to take that step of, I guess, faith and of some sort to say, this is yeah. the direction I want to go. So it, it totally was faith. And so let me expand that story just a little bit. Sure. I had asked my principal at the time for a letter of recommendation and she said, um, yeah, I'll get you one. I asked her in November. Cause I was like, you know, Thanksgiving break, you got some time. This will be give you plenty of time to write a letter. She didn't write it over Christmas break. I said, Hey, get that letter written. You know, she's like, okay, I'll do it. Come back after Christmas break. Nothing. <laughs> so then in January, I'm like, Hey, uh, you know, these applications are opening and you know, I'm interested in moving on. Been with you for three years. You know, this is my plan. And she said, Jethro, I need to talk to you about something. I don't think that you're ready. I think that you need to go be an assistant principal to middle school first. And then maybe, maybe after a few years doing that, you can come back and be a principal at the elementary level. And in, in most districts, there's a hierarchy. Elementary is where you start and then you go up to middle and then high school is like the top of the top of the heap. And I said, that is absolute baloney. There is no way that I am not ready to be a middle, uh, a principal wherever I want to be and mm -hmm. whatever level that is. And so that night I went on a drive by myself and I just went and cried. That is mm -hmm. literally what I did. I was living in Utah at the time. There's this beautiful temple up on the hill in Draper, Utah, big, white, beautiful building. And I went and sat in the parking lot there wanting to be close to God because I was so distraught thinking this is the path that I'm on. And here's this huge roadblock, this person saying you're not even close. And so after crying, praying and, and wondering what is going to happen next, 
Um, I, I came down from that and I decided, okay, I'm not going to apply for any more elementary principal positions because that's not actually what I want. I am only going to apply for principal positions. And so that's what I did. And I, and only principal at middle school is what I meant to say. So that's what I did. I only applied for middle school principal positions because that's really where I wanted to be. And I felt like that was where I needed to be to, to grow and learn and develop. And so that's, that's exactly what I did. And I ended up applying to, uh, to be a principal in Kodiak, Alaska. And my only requirement for that job was my wife wanted to go on a cruise to Alaska. And I said, Hey, I'm a principal. People live there. Why don't I just go be a principal? And so that was, that was the only thing. And the superintendent called me and said, Hey, are you, are you serious about this? Like, it's a big deal to move to Alaska. I said, yeah, what have I got to lose? Let's do it. <laughs> and he said, okay, come on up. So I went up and uh, did an interview, uh, told me I got the job and went up and checked out the, the community. And that was on Father's Day. And then July 1st, we were packed up from our house and on the road driving to Alaska. And when you say faith, like, let me tell you, things can change in an instant. And I knew that that was what I needed to do for myself, for my family, for my faith, for everything. And it was a leap of faith and it was exceptionally difficult to do that. But at the same time, it was so clear that's what I needed to do that I just went for it and felt totally confident in making that decision. Looking at your bio, the thing that pops out for me is the prison school. And yeah. I think that's a very unique experience. Also one that not too many people share. And I'm curious, as far as that experience, how did that make you a better leader? Well, it, the thing that's so fascinating is that I have this core belief that every single person is a child of God. Yep. And even kids who are incarcerated for mistakes they made and bad decisions they made, they still deserve everything that we have to offer them. They mm -hmm. still deserve dignity and respect. And yes, they made some mistakes. And hopefully, because they're under 18, they can make the changes they need to and be able to live a full life. But at the same time, that's just the reality of their life. And just because someone makes a mistake or isn't perfect in the way that we think they should be doesn't mean that they don't deserve every opportunity. And truly, education is the thing that is going to change their lives. It is um, it is really the only thing that can. And I, and I say that as a man of faith and also recognizing that it's not just education about the academic stuff. It's about learning how to live your life in a way that you can uphold your values and stay true to what you believe in and that you can have values that are um, important enough that you won't make those same bad mistakes in the future. You know, working with many leaders in the alternative school space too, it's, it's a very similar type of deal where it's really getting to the bottom of like, yes, we're teaching, you know, the subject matter, but it's also teaching about how to regulate your emotions for the high school, especially too, like, how to get a job and how to do some of these life skills that are not present with a lot of those, you know, students and understanding that there's a whole person there that, that has to be improved in it and where they are right now is not where their story ends. Yeah. I think that point of where somebody's at now is not where their story ends. And that is, is so powerful. And these kids who were incarcerated, 
that was that was where their story was at the moment but mm-hmm. so so we had the thing that was so interesting was before I was principal of that school, I was principal of, of a middle school close by. And we had a student who was on basically like school release and he could, he was living with a, with a foster family and he could come to our school and then he would have to go home to that foster family. And he had to take classes through the prison system as well. And he was basically on parole. And one of the conditions of his parole was that he wasn't allowed to use any uh, cell phones or other technology. So he could use school devices, but he couldn't use uh, a regular cell phone. And unbeknownst to us, he had been using a cell phone. We didn't know he wasn't allowed to. And so he got in trouble for that and had to go back into prison. And that was such a that was such a wake-up call to me that this kid was dealing with something that I didn't even understand was going on. I knew what his situation was, but I didn't know that if he had a phone, he'd end up back in lockup. And that just like blew my mind. Totally sweet kid. I really liked him a lot. He was awesome. I went and visited him in, in the prisons after he was incarcerated again. And it was it was just so frustrating to see that this great kid made one mistake and it ended him back up in there. And had I known that that, that that would have happened, I would have done more to make sure that we were aware and people were aware at the school that he shouldn't have a cell phone. And we could have done something I felt like to, to help in that situation. And so there's this balance of people having agency and choosing to live their own life and uh, having to deal with the consequences that they uh, encounter when they do make those choices. And we can't, we can't force anybody to change. We can't change anybody ourselves. They have to choose that. And that is an incredibly powerful and freeing thing as well. Because I felt this guilt like, oh, I could have done something. But at the same time, I was like, this is, this is his life. I can't make these choices for him. And so many of us educators put so much into what we're doing and think that we have to live a certain way or do certain things to save these kids or whatever. And we're not saving anybody. We really aren't. They have to make the choice themselves. And until we realize this, all of our education really doesn't mean anything at all. We, the, the most important education that we can give is teaching them how to make good choices that will improve their life because that's the only thing that anybody can do is make choices for their own life. Nobody else can influence us in such a way that they can change who we are or what we do. We only can choose that for ourselves from four-year-olds in pre-K all the way up to adults who are leading schools and teaching and all that kind of stuff. We are the ones who are in control of our lives. Nobody else is. So true, Jethro. It's a great point. And one that I would preach to my middle schoolers all the time as an administrator. (laughs) I can guide you as much as I can, but I can't force you to do anything. It's your choice and you will come in and out of this building. And I'm just trying to influence the best I possibly can right now. And, you know, try to share how much I cared for them and love them. But at the same time, like, ultimately, it's your choice. (laughs) You have to make the decision for yourself. That's really hard. And I guess as a parent, you could feel the same way too. 
um, as an educator is, you know, you try your best to, to help guide, but in the long run, it's, it's totally up to them as far as the decisions that they make. This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. You can find out more at teachbetter.com slash podcast. Now let's get back to the episode. So I'm going to switch a little bit of a topic here, Jethro, because I know you're extremely passionate about improving our leadership skills and, and our experience by taking care of ourselves. And this is probably something that a lot of our leaders are lacking. I know I was for myself. I did not take care of myself until, you know, I would get sick or burnt out and <laughs> emotionally wrecked. And then uh, trying to like, you know, have better habits uh, moving forward. So we just share with the listeners as far as like what you've experienced and kind of the improvement that you made for your own self. Yeah, you know, I think this is a, a a really important thing. And for me, everything comes back to some sort of spiritual aspect to things. And I've lost 70 pounds in the last year. And it's been a really amazing experience because it is not about the physical stuff. It is 100% about the internal and spiritual aspect of it. And let me let me see if I can explain that a little bit. Um, when when we are stressed or frustrated or burnt out or whatever the thing is, there are a couple things that I think are really important to note. Number one, we turn to sedation of some sort to deal with that, whether that is uh, drugs, alcohol, sex, pornography, food, whatever it may be, we turn to those things. And uh, I've been to uh, conferences and events with educators and seen people really sedate a lot. I know that this happens. I know that everybody struggles with it. For me, one of those things is food. That's what I turn to to sedate. Because when I'm stressed and overwhelmed, I just want to eat. And so, so I got pretty big, almost 300 pounds. And the way that I change that is by really focusing on what I put into my body and seeing that as a spiritual manifestation of who I really want to be. And so when I think of the future in 50 years, who is that guy? That is the guy who is now saying, Jethro, you decide what you're going to put in your body today. And that seems really esoteric and strange, but it all comes down to my spirit being in control of my physical body and saying, this is who I want to be in 50 years. And that person in 50 years would say, this is how you need to act today. Whew, that's tough, man. <laughs> that is that is tough because right now I want to eat a cookie because sure. I'm stressed. I want to eat, eat ice cream because I'm stressed. And and we we all do that with whatever our sedation thing is. It could be scrolling on Instagram. It could be drinking alcohol. It could be whatever. For me, it was eating food. That's what I did all the time. And so once we start recognizing, oh, I'm sedating, I need to figure out what I'm doing. Here's the second piece. When we get burned out, we get burned out because we resent the sacrifices and the things that we're doing. When we're not burned out, we don't have any resentment about the work that we're doing. But when we are burned out, we have this resentment saying, oh, I shouldn't be doing this. Somebody else should be doing it. That's the only difference. And if you look at every time you felt burnt out in your career, 
you will see that it's always been when you resent the work that you're having to put in. When you are just killing yourself working overtime and you're feeling the reason why you're doing it and you understand the purpose behind it and you're not feeling resentment, you don't get burned out. It just doesn't happen. Once you start feeling that resentment, that is the sign that it's burnt, that you're being burned out. And it's a very simple shift. Instead of resenting and being frustrated about whatever you're doing, you need to reconnect to your why. Why am I doing this? Why am I putting this effort in? Why am I putting this time in? So that you can see what the purpose is. And if you can't find that, you better just stop doing that thing that is causing you to burn out because it doesn't matter how hard you work at it. It is never going to bring you the satisfaction if you don't have it connected to a deeper spiritual why that helps you connect with who you're really trying to be in the future. I think it's really a wonderful strategy because I talk about this all the time as far as the reflection process within our own lives. That doesn't happen very often. You know, I, I've done this at a conference before, you know, speaking and, and asking the audience, like, you know, how much time have you spent reflecting? Is it five minutes a week? Is it 10 minutes? You know, and then talking about, okay, what about reflection of your own personal well-being? <laughs> And it's zero, (laughs) like for Mm -hmm. administrators, it's about reflecting about the decisions that we make and how we're going to impact this department or the the scores, the test scores. But when it comes down to like our own physical and mental health, it's just something that is forgotten and and pushed to the side. And so, yeah, I think what you're talking about is, is beautiful. It's, it's something that we do need to reflect on and look inward to say, you know, how are we sedating ourselves? And then what are we going to do to change it? What's that discipline look like in our own lives? So obviously you're seeing profound benefits from that, um, including what you were talking about with losing 70 pounds. I mean, that's that's incredible. So kudos to you for that. Thank you. Appreciate it. I think the last thing that I'll say about that, when I was a principal, I I worked super hard and put in a lot of time. And then I was doing this podcast on the side and coaching principals on the side and all that kind of stuff and writing books. And what I found was that when I was feeling the pressure from somebody else, it was much harder. When I was feeling the pressure from myself, then it was like the pressure from myself gave me power and the pressure from someone else took away my power. So when I had that motivation myself to do the podcast, so I've been doing the podcast for over 11 years. I have not missed a single week in Uh, in getting it out there. Now, there have been some little issues where my editor or the person who publishes it didn't get it done in time. But for me, I I had all my stuff done and ready. And then other people dropped the ball. That's not me blaming someone. That's me recognizing where my abilities end and other people have to start picking up things as well. And, And so as a principal, I would do my best to leave work at work. I would not take my computer home. I wouldn't answer emails at night. And I put in boundaries on purpose to make sure that I wasn't exhibiting or experiencing the pressure that I felt early on in my career. Uh, my first couple, my first three years as, as an administrator was nonstop all the time. And it was very intense. And that made it really difficult for me to stay motivated and keep going. As I continued to grow and learn, I figured out ways to say, oh, I actually don't have to do this thing that the district says that I have to do. 
that actually is not important. And I learned through experience that if they didn't ask me for it multiple times, they didn't really care about it. I also learned that oftentimes they asked me for things and then they never did anything with the things they asked me for. And so sometimes I want to get things done and then they, somebody else would say, hey, what about this thing you asked us to do? And they said, oh, we don't need that anymore. We decided to do something else. And so you put it when you when other people put these things on you, that doesn't necessarily mean that they have to take priority. But so much in education, we feel like, well, the superintendent said we had to, or I need to be a good soldier. Gross. You don't need to be a good soldier. That's the worst. That's the, that's the fastest way to burn out. You need to lead your school. You need to have a vision for your school. And then you need to dive into making sure that that vision happens and everything else you can just push to the side. You don't really need to worry about it. Evaluations, you don't need to stress about. If you're not using AI for evaluations, you are wasting your time because nobody cares about them, nobody reads about them, and they are a big, huge waste of time for everybody. Unless you're doing something like trust-based observations that Craig Randall teaches about, which I would highly encourage you to go check out his book, learn about that, and get your district to change your evaluation system to be more aligned with that because that actually builds trust and helps you improve teaching rather than just filling out a form, which is what all of our evaluation systems are right now. Yeah, the busy work of it versus actually creating a system that's going to benefit that's those right. who are going through it. And yeah, feedback is powerful when it's done in a correct way, like you said, where trust is built. All right, Jethro, let's talk about your podcast. You've got a brand new one, uh, a vision for learning. We've already talked about a little bit about the tr transformative principle. That's the one I was referring to when I was talking about uh, when I was creating my podcast, putting you up on a pedestal <laughs> because you had built something that was just brilliant. But I want to talk about your new and latest podcast and kind of what that's about and, and why did you create it? Yeah, so I've always been a nerd when it comes to technology. And that's just all there is to it. And so the new podcast is about a vision for learning and using Apple Vision Pro and other VR things in education. But it's not just about that. Like it's about what education can look like with all the AI stuff and virtual reality and all these things, the way you can deliver and facilitate learning in your classroom has totally changed. And you really in my opinion, you really should be diving into these tools and seeing how they can help you. Now, it's not just about making lesson plans. Like, well, if you're required to turn in lesson plans, yes, have AI make your lesson plans because your principal doesn't have time to read them. And if you're requiring your teachers to turn in lesson plans to you as a principal, you know you don't have time to read them. What are you doing? <laughs> it is such a waste of time. If you really want to know what's going on, you got to be in those classrooms looking and paying attention and seeing what's happening. So yeah, you should certainly be using them to write lesson plans if you're required to turn them in or to help you develop. But what I really like are things like, one of my favorite tools out there is School AI. They create these spaces where basically every student can have a personalized conversation about a topic with the AI and the teacher can see and interact and jump into any one of those conversations. To me, that is incredibly powerful. Because so much of our work in education, <laughs> we do these things for accountability purposes. And, and it's a waste of time because the teacher doesn't actually need to hear what was said in the group. But if the teacher doesn't ask what was said in the group, 
she knows they're not going to be on task and they're not going to be doing what they're supposed to be doing. So that is a classroom management technique to make sure that everybody is on task. When you have an AI, you can easily see and have a record of who is and is not on task, and then you can address those situations individually. But then the power comes in when you can take those conversations and see that the kids are getting the information that they need. And at some point, the time is going to come when the AI will also say, oh, in English class, they were talking about math, and we noticed that your student understood this math problem that they've been working on. And now we can say, here's evidence that this kid understands this math thing. Or in social studies, they were talking about something else uh, from English. And now we know that the kid has evidence that they understand this particular topic. And eventually that kind of stuff is going to happen. But those that future of learning looks a lot different than what we're currently doing. And what we're currently doing is very focused on compliance. It's very focused on accountability. It's focused on testing. And those things are fading into the background as necessary because we have these other systems in place with the technology that is available. Now, let me say something really quick about a vision for learning specifically, because I had on there Shannon Putman, who has been doing virtual reality stuff in her classroom for over a decade already. And so this is not new to her. And she gave a great example of how she has used it in many different ways to help kids practice skills. Uh, for example, math skills, where there's a QB quarterback app on one of her VR headsets, and it will display in the room different answers to math problems. And then the kids can throw the ball into the right one in a virtual reality environment. So very little setup very easy to do. You can get tons of practice in a very short amount of time. That is quick, like drill and kill type practice that we know is beneficial, but that everybody hates, but that you can actually make a fun activity with these kind of tools that are out there. So this, this world that we're in right now has enormous potential for individualizing instruction for giving kids opportunities to respond that are way more significant than the teacher being the sole arbiter of whether or not kids respond and just giving kids new opportunities to learn and grow and have their learning count no matter where it happens, whether it's in the four walls of the classroom or not. It's very exciting, Jethro. I know there's a lot of technology and things that are coming out that are going to transform the building, <laughs> the classroom, the experience for the children. And I know there's a, a massive shift that's going to be occurring very, very soon here as people are going to understand that some of the traditional practices that we're so used to really don't have a place because of how technology is evolving. It's, it's incredible, um, especially with the AI stuff and the virtual reality, like you said. Yeah. So I, I'm putting the call out right now. If you're doing any of this kind of stuff or know somebody who is, I want to talk to you and I want to share it out with people so that people can get ideas and see how this is being implemented because mm -hmm. the potential is, is truly amazing. And here's the real thing. Everybody who's building AI stuff right now, they're like, how do we make sure this works? They need feedback. They need people to say, this is what we need. And if teachers don't say this is what we need, then they're just going to build what they want and what they think we need. And then we're going to have to take it. I don't think that's right. We need to be on the front line saying, this is what we need. 
I think any ed tech company needs to have teachers on their board or beta team or whatever it is so they can help guide things. And teachers need to step up and say, I want to be part of that and I want to help guide the future of this because it's important for me to get this right for the kids in my classroom. If you're looking for more information, definitely check out A Vision for Learning. Uh, honestly, anyone that's listening right now, you, you need to tune in because this is the future. This is what we need to be diving into, not mm-hmm. hiding <laughs> away from. I know some folks are are very fearful in education about the technology and, and AI and whatnot, but that's definitely not the take you should have. So lean into it. Definitely learn. And Jethro has a fantastic resource for you. So we'll have that link in the show notes. Definitely check it out. And then Jethro, real quick, I want to talk about the resources that you have in addition, which is your your books, your two books. So How to Be a Transformative Principal and School X, How Principals Can Design a Transformative School Experience for the People Right in Front of Them. So for those who are looking for a resource to help them in leadership, in their position, to become a principal, be a principal, what would they get from these two resources? Yeah. So number one, School X is about redesigning your school. And how do you how do you set it up so that you have buy-in from everybody and everybody wants to participate and everybody feels like they have a voice? In my first school where I was principal, we did 36 initiatives in three years and nobody felt like we were over-initiatized because everybody had had a uh, had skin in the game for each one of those initiatives. They didn't come from me. I I had an initiative, a big idea, but that was all I had. Everybody else said, well, this is how what we're trying to do fits in with what you're seeing. And it was incredible. We made some really amazing improvements to that school that we could not have done if it was just me saying, these are the things we need to do. If I would have said, these are the things we need to do, uh, there's no way we would have done all that. So I would say, if you if you want to make real change in your school, School X will teach you how to do that. How to be a transformative principal will teach you how to do that focusing just on yourself. So School X is about designing your school with collaboration from others. How to be a transformative principal is about what you need to change in yourself uh, to make that happen. And it's really about, uh, it starts with self-care, taking care of yourself and prioritizing your own self first. That's the first chapter. And, uh, And we talk about everything from vision to observations to hiring practices and how to how to set that up for success and then ultimately culture which is what what defines everything else in your school so those two books are are both great reads and definitely worth checking out for sure awesome and as always i will have the links for those who are listening to to click on that either in the show notes or on joshjamper.com and then jethro real quick as you know i i love actual items you know it's great that they're tuning in Listeners are obviously getting a lot of fantastic information from you, but I want them to, to do something with that, right? So if they could do something tomorrow or next week to enhance their leadership journey, what would you advise them to do? So number one, go back to something I talked about earlier, figure out the thing that you are doing to sedate. And all you have to do is figure out what you're doing. I'm not telling you to stop it. I'm not telling you to change it. I'm just saying, acknowledge that that's what you're doing. That's what you're doing to sedate or, or, deal with the stress that you're facing, whatever that thing is, identify it. And that's it. That's all I want you to do today. If you want to do more than that, reach out to me 
at Jethro Jones on all the social medias. I'd love to talk to you about next steps. But first, just know what you're doing when you're feeling stressed. That's that's not helping you progress. And, you know, sometimes even here's a crazy thing, Josh. Sometimes that is like things that we typically say are healthy, like exercising. Some people go too deep into that. There needs to be moderation in all things. And sometimes we can go too deep into things and we can spend too much time or too much energy or emphasis on something. What are you doing to deal with your stress? Identify it and and then see where you're at. That's it. That's all you got to do. Small, simple, actionable steps. After identifying it like five times in a row, you're going to know what the next step is most likely. But again, if you need help, reach out. I'd love to help you out. Awesome. Jethro, you shared obviously how people can connect with you on social media, but you know, if there's any other platforms that you want folks to connect with you on, or maybe a website, you know, how would they get more information about all the wonderful things that you're doing? Yeah. At Jethro Jones and on the social medias and JethroJones.com. Those are the two easiest ways to do it. I've got, like I said, ton of podcasts. They're all over the place. Bunch of newsletters. They're all over the place, but any one of those to reach out to me directly and I'll point you in the right direction for what you're looking for. And we'll have that, like I said, on joshnamber.com. It'll be in the show notes. I will have a ton of links for all the things that Jethro is doing, including a podcast network that he's built, uh, which we didn't have a chance to talk about today, but uh, B Network Network, um, is growing like crazy. Um, Love what you're creating in all aspects. Obviously, if you're watching, you got to see Jethro in person, but you also got to see his VR tool that he he showed also. So uh, make sure you're subscribing on YouTube, Joshua Stamper is the channel, or you can go over to Teach Better YouTube page also. That's a growing community. So I'm so appreciative of everyone taking the time to watch or listen and subscribe. Jethro, man, it's been so good to connect with you this last month, um, getting to know you as a, as a person beyond just the content you're creating, and you're just doing some phenomenal things. So thank you so much for what you're doing to guide leaders and educators, and then also taking the time today to, to be on Aspire to Lead. It's my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me, and thank you for what you're doing to help others as well. 